Good morning, CLC! Today is the fourth Sunday of Advent, where we continue to prepare our hearts for the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. From the book of Matthew, chapter 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king saw, heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And from the book of Luke. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. I want the best for my people, but no one is going to derail my legacy. Josephus, come here, sit down, write down the words of your King Herod so that historians in the future fully understand that my sole desire is to benefit my people. Now I ask you, what was this land of Judea 20 years ago? Just a piece of dirt, no fields, no food, no fun. Since I won this land, I've done so much good for the Jews. I've given everyone peace and stability for decades. You know, there's no way to overstate that. Peace and safety are the most basic benefits. You can't be a farmer when your field is invaded. You can't be a shepherd if you're ensnared to an outside power. You can't be a merchant if your shop is plundered. I've given everyone that. I've done that. Me. No one else. Everyone deserves that to continue. You remember I built 
those aqueducts and fortresses and temples and theaters. I've made this land prosperous. I've made myself prosperous. More people have food now than they've ever had before. More people have livelihoods and entertainment now than have ever had it before. More people are happier now than they have ever been before. The people here love me. They must love me, given all I've done for them. They deserve to have that continue. Nay, they demand that it continues. People don't understand the demands placed on a king, the king of Judea. But I rose to those demands. I've adopted the way of these Jews, even though I was, as was my father, born an Arab. Because of that, nothing was given to me by birth. Everything I am, I have earned. Still, I adopted their practices and customs, though I know they sneer at me behind my back. Still, they must understand that I am they, and they are me. The way of peace and prosperity is continuity. When you have a king that is doing everything for the good of the people, you want that to continue. The people want that to continue. I am they, and they are me. It's good for me, it's good for them. I have heard a baby has been born and was foretold to be king of the Jews, the Messiah. This is a false hope, a hope born of deceivers and traitors, a hope born of those outside of Judea who wish it to fail and fall back into a land of poverty and destitution. Traveling magi have told me about this baby and have seen this child, but have plotted to keep this child of revolution, the child that would bring down Judea, plotted to keep him from us. They have not told us where this child lives and who his parents are. Do they expect me to just hand over Jerusalem to him? To just hand over my life to him? I will not let that happen. My people would not want that to happen. So for the sake of my people, I have ordered that all children under the age of two be purged. Let's be honest, with the population that we have here, my administrators tell me it would only be a few dozen children, maybe a few dozen more in the rural areas. More than that die every year from simple disease. Would we not want to prevent the fall of an empire if we could do it by a simple decree? They know I'm not an evil ruler, but they don't need another messiah. They have me. And I will not let my life and all that I have built be vanquished by a little Jewish baby from a backwater town. I'm a ruler who's willing to do what must be done, to do what is necessary to preserve peace and our mutual prosperity. Um, <clears throat> wasn't that, wasn't that, wasn't that great? Um, I, I'm not supposed to be all happy about that, but it was a great, 
That was a great King Herod. Okay, um, I, I felt it. Did you all feel the that the steely resolve? Okay. Um, Merry Christmas, everyone. Um, during this Advent season, we're going back to the nativity story, and we're looking at how different characters responded to the coming of Jesus. And so here we have Yan brilliantly bringing to life the King Herod way of responding to Jesus. Um, so the promise of Jesus came into King Herod's life unexpectedly. Uh, wise men from the east came to pay homage to a newborn king. He, he didn't know about this, apparently. And so Herod kind of went, wait a minute. You all, we already have a great king. And I like, how you know, I was like, me, me, right? And intuitively, Herod knew there can only be one great king. And it was either going to be Jesus or it was going to be him, but it couldn't be both. And so was Herod paranoid? Yes. Was he a megalomaniac? Yes. Was he an egotistical, self-important cliche of a man? Yeah. But you know what he also was, is that he was a decisive leader. He was not afraid to, you know, make a decision and then follow it through to its ultimate conclusion. And so that's what he did. This is what he did. So wise men came looking for the, the Christ child. And then he gathers like the chief priest and the scribes to find out where this child is supposed to be born. Oh, okay. It's, he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. And so he sends the wise men to go check things out in Bethlehem and then, you know, come back and report to me. But then when he doesn't hear from the wise men, he dispatches soldiers to Bethlehem to kill every male child under the age of two. So uh, Herod decides to like snuff out the life of Jesus because, you know, Herod knew there can only be one king on the throne. Now, here's the thing, okay? Before you dismiss King Herod, there's something that we need to know, which is that there's, there's like a little King Herod inside all of us. There's a little King Herod inside all of us. I mean, think about this. What does it mean for a person to become a Christian? I mean, think about it, right? What does it mean to follow Christ? Doesn't it, doesn't it mean losing your life to find new life and ultimate joy in him? But before you can find that new life, you first have to lose your life. And I remember one pastor saying that to follow Jesus means that you, you say, Jesus, I will go wherever you want me to go. I will do whatever you want me to do. I will be more and more like you. Now, a, a king is someone that you, you bow down to and you say, you, you bow down and you say, my life is at your command. It, it's saying, I will submit to you in every part of my life. I, I will marry who, 
who you want me to marry. Uh, I will pursue sexuality your way. I, I will forgive people who have hurt me so badly. I am just completely yours to command. And here's the thing. Herod was not willing to do that. And the thing is, there's a little King Herod inside all of us. And when Jesus comes into our life, that little King Herod just doesn't want to let go, just doesn't want to give up control. We want to, you know, hang on as long as we can. And uh, every Christmas, we hear the story of King Herod, and we just kind of dismiss him. You know, he's like this deranged megalomaniac. But the truth is that if we're honest, there's a little King Herod inside each one of us that just doesn't want to give up our life. Now, what will happen to us if we go the King Herod way? King Jesus comes and we refuse to give him our lives. What will happen to us if we go this way where you are king and you call the shots and you live for your own glory? How will that all end? And what will, what will happen after you die? Now, let me just finish the story of what happened to King Herod, okay? King Herod, later on in his life, he has his favorite wife and, and two of his sons murdered. He felt threatened by them, and so he had them put to death. Sounds familiar, right? And when he was about to die, he was afraid that on the day that he died that no one would cry for him. And so he wanted people on the day he died, he wanted there to be sadness in the country. And so he planned to round up a bunch of leaders from the country together in one place. On the day that he died, he planned to have them all killed so that on the day he died, people would cry. That is the King Herod way to respond to Jesus. And this is where that way ends. Jesus himself would say that whoever tries to save his life will lose it in the end. Now, here's the point. <laughs> um, church family, you know, friends, please don't go the King Herod way. <laughs> don't go the King Herod way. Um, I know it's hard to let go of our lives, but if we don't to make room for this great king, we stand to lose so much more and we stand to fail to gain so much more that he offers. There has, there's gotta be a better way. There is a far better way. I said that when Jesus comes to our uh, life, there's two ways of responding. There's the King Herod way, but you know what? There's also the Mary way. We're not talking Merry Christmas, Mary way. We're talking the Mary mother of Jesus way of responding to Jesus. So why don't you take a look at this next video? Hi Jesus, happy 13th birthday. It's your mom. This is what I looked like when I was pregnant with you months inside. We're in Bethlehem now. 
Um, your dad, Joseph, is off looking for a place for us to have you and stay. He says he'll find something. We're here for the census and it's been a long journey. But during that time, I've been thinking about what I want to tell you and how I'm going to tell you. So I wanted to record this message for you to watch on your bar mitzvah day. Today you become a young man and I'm sure you will be a good man. Son, there are some things that we thought you should know. It's time you knew them if we haven't told you already. Your life isn't going to be the same as everyone else's. And I know that because eight months ago, I saw an angel. He came to me, his name was Gabriel. And Gabriel told me that I was the favorite one. I never really saw myself that way since we lived in Nazareth and nothing comes from Nazareth, that's good. I felt poor and small, how can I be the favored one? I hadn't done anything, don't really know what made them choose me. The angel said though to me, um, you will bear a son and he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. You're gonna have to forgive me here, Jesus, because I laughed a little bit. Um, sounds crazy, how could I be pregnant? Um, can't really do that by yourself. What will Joseph think? And at that time, we were only just promised to one another. There was so much that I didn't understand. And so I asked the angel, how will this be done? Because I am a virgin. And the angel said that the Holy Spirit would come on me, that the power of the Most High would come and overshadow me, and that nothing was impossible with God. And after that, that's what happened. I probably am going to have you here in Bethlehem, who knows where. Um, but you must know uh, today that you are of God and not of man. On a day like today, when you enter the temple as a man for the first time, with your whole life ahead of you, I can start to dream a little bit about what kind of man you will be. When I think about it, I think that you'll be someone who is kind and who can be trusted with tremendous amounts of power and who will help others. Jesus, right now we need someone like that. They tell us in temple that the Lord always hears the suffering of his people every time in Egypt and under the Romans now he always sends someone to save his people and this time you are here you are here with us I know he is sending himself and for some reason I'm the one that's supposed to be your mother I wish I had more to offer you more wisdom definitely someplace better than this the few people that talk with me now always ask me how I'm doing and I say, I don't know how to raise someone like you, someone great. What gifts do I have? Joseph and I can barely take care of ourselves. I wish I knew what I possibly had to offer that, that made God choose me, bring you into the world through me. But since the angel came and spoke to me, two things have become true and very clear. I know who I am, and so I have to remind myself, I am the maidservant of the Lord. And I knew that I only had one thing to offer you, just one gift to give you, and that was my life. So at the time I told the angel, 
may it be to me as you have said, and you are here. I don't know how the next 13 years will go, but I believe every word that the angel said. I believe in the man that you are. I believe in the man that you will be. You are the hope of our world, Jesus. Now that I'm here thinking about all that your father and I have done to prepare for you, I want you to know that it has been, and I'm sure will be, our greatest joy to bring you into this world. Happy birthday, Jesus. Happy birthday, Jesus. That, that, was, um, that was fantastic. Great, great job, Mother Tiffany. And congratulations to you both on your beautiful baby. We're so excited to see her like in person. Um, but, but church, this is, you know, praise God, the, the merry way to respond to Jesus. There's the Herod way, and here's the merry way. And the merry way is, is far better. But, um, but um, you know, at first for Mary, there was fear and confusion. But, but finally, it turned into extraordinary obedience. Now, Mary showed willingness to obey in, in spite of what other people might think. Uh, keep in mind, Mary was a traditional girl in a traditional village. She didn't want to get pregnant before she was married. She didn't want to give birth to a child who would be hunted down by Herod. But here is Mary in, in such a beautiful way, just like, you know, imagine just her holding up her life before God and saying, God, this is all of my life and I just give it entirely up to you. I surrender it all to you to be used for your purposes. And so she said, I am the handmaiden of the Lord. May it be to me as you have said. Just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful response. Now, <clears throat> here's the thing. If there is a little Herod inside you and me that you know, doesn't want to give up control, then why is the merry way of responding to Jesus, why is it the better way? Why, why would anyone want to give up their entire life to Jesus? I, I think that's a really good question. And I would say it has everything to do with who Jesus is. All right. And so I want to take you through that text in Luke and talk about, okay, who, who is this child that, that God is sending into the world? Like, who is this, this child? Okay. So let's walk through the text and work this out, starting in Luke 1, 31. An angel comes to Mary and says, behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. Um, anyone know what the name Jesus means? Um, the name Jesus was a common Hebrew name at the time. In Hebrew, the name is Yeshua. Let me hear you all say Yeshua. And Yeshua, the name, it means God saves. Yahweh saves. Okay. Verse 32. He will be great. Now, I love these words because in our day, language is abused to the point of being meaningless. I mean, you, you, push, you, you post like pictures of like wontons that you've made, you know, um, 
you know, I made these wontons, how they look, you know, and, you know, people will respond, they look so, so good, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, smiley face, right? And, and here in the text, language is used with just simplicity and power. We're talking about the fullness of everything that one word means. His name will be Jesus and he will be great, you know, he will be great. Verse 32, he will be called the son of the most high. In the next chapter, John is going to be called the prophet of the most high. And here the angel is describing Jesus as the son of the most high. A messenger has the words of God, but a son has the very DNA of God. And then verse 33. The Lord will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, there will be no end. So we're not talking about a king who will reign for 50 years and then have to be replaced. We are talking about a king who reigns forever. He is the infinite king. Okay, so let's put this all together, all right? Mary's response was inspired and qualified by her understanding of who is this child that's coming into the world, okay? Let's put this all this together. Who is this child? Number one, his name is Jesus, and his name means God saves. Number two, if there's one word to describe Jesus, it is great. It is great. Number three, he will be the son of God, not just a messenger but we're talking about the son. And number four, he is God's forever king. He is the great infinite king. Okay, so here's my question. When someone this great comes into your life, how are you supposed to receive him? I mean, he doesn't come as a butler or a buddy. He comes as the great infinite king. And Mary knew that in her life, there could only be one king or one queen, and it could either be him or her, but it could not be both. And so she knew what was the right way, really the only fitting way to respond. Now, I want you just to imagine that this bag that I have here represents your life. By the way, this is, is from Nicole Lim um, from Freely in Hope, okay? My family calls this the Wakanda bag, okay? So we got a lot of things in our lives. We got a lot of things in our bag. We got, you know, we got uh, video games and, and work, and apparently we got some violence, and um, we just got a lot of things going on in our lives, all right? iPhones, calendars, clothes. There's even a switch in here, okay? Now, now, when we hear that God wants to give to us his greatest gift, the gift of his son, the gift of the new king, what do you do? 
Well, I think the first question is like, well, how big is this gift? Can I fit that gift in my life? Now, listen, if Jesus Christ is like a three pound weight, okay, I got this a three pound weight, then no problem. Just like throw them in and let's go. But the thing is, Jesus is not like a three pound weight. Jesus is like massive. He is the great infinite king. Now, how do you fit the great infinite king into the the bag of your life? I mean, have you thought about who he is? He is the radiance of the infinite God. He is the Lord of the universe. And, you know, we just can't throw him in in the bag of our lives and just go on uh, with the rest of the stuff. Here's the thing. Both Mary and Herod knew that. And this is what Herod did. Herod kind of was like, so there's the promise of Jesus coming to life. And he like grabbed a hold of it and he would not let go. He's just like holding onto his stuff for a dear life. It's mine. It's mine. It's, you know, he wouldn't let go. And so he wouldn't let Jesus in. But Mary knew that in response to this great infinite king, there is only one fitting response. And so Mary let her bag go. She let it go. She surrendered it to God. She gave it all to God. And it was, it was so beautiful what she did. Now, when I was uh, 14 years old, I heard about Jesus for the first time. Well, okay, let me, I I grew up in church, but I I guess he wasn't real to me, you know, and I wasn't really ready to respond to to Jesus until I was 14 years old. Um, I was in youth group and one of, and there was one day when these two guest speakers came in. And what they did during our time together with these guest speakers is they just started to talk about the relationship with Jesus. And I remember listening to them just share stories about what it's like to have Jesus in their life. And I, and something struck me as I was listening to them, I'm 14 years old. And what struck the first thing that struck me was like, Oh my gosh, Jesus is real. You know, like I, 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 I believed in him like to an extent but I just didn't know how real he was. And the more they started to talk about the relationship with Jesus, it seemed like these people, they didn't just believe in him, but they, they were like in love with him. And they would tell these amazing stories of what it was like to have Jesus in their lives. And I knew like, I'm a 14 year old kid. And I just knew that is exactly what I've been looking for. And I didn't even know it. Now, at the end of this message, they asked us if we were willing to give our lives to follow King Jesus. And again, I'm I'm 14 years old. I'm not old enough to vote. I'm not old enough to marry, but I was old enough to know that in my life, there could only be one King. It was either him or me, but it could not be both. And so at age 14, I decided by his grace to, to give King Jesus all of my life. 
And I'm going to tell you, my life has never been the same. My life has never been the same. I, I have fallen in love with this great king. He speaks to me. He helps me. He challenges me. He forgives me. I have to say, it was the best decision I ever made. It was simply the best decision I have ever made. Now, that is what Mary knew too. She knew there can only be one king or one queen and he is so worthy. And so she said, I am the maidservant of the Lord. May it be to me as you have said. Now, um, can I tell you the rest of the story? Um, it's not necessarily in Luke chapter one, but it's through the rest of the Bible, the rest of the story. And so after uh, Mary uh, gives her life to the Lord, she becomes pregnant and she gives birth to Jesus. And Jesus came into the world. And the four gospels that you have in your, in, in, a, in your Bible in the New Testament they share about the amazing life that Jesus lived and the world has never known a life filled with such beauty and power and joy and grace. And then at the age of 33, we find out that this great king didn't just come to reign, but this great king also came to die. And he dies because the world was guilty of sin. And by dying on the cross, Jesus took away the wrath of God. And he gave new life and new hope to all who believe in him and follow him. You see, um, when you see the greatness of this king, it makes you want to give up your life. It makes you want to bow your knee and say, I'm yours to command. But when you see the sacrifice of this king, then it, it melts your heart. You see his kingship and you're like, you're worthy of my obedience. You see his sacrifice and you're like, you're worthy of me falling in love with you. And this great king rose from the dead. And upon rising from the dead, he said, go and make disciples of all nations. Today is Christmas Sunday. I cannot think of a better time for you and me to give this king all of your life and to surrender all of your life for his glory and for his purposes and for your joy. Maybe you've done it a hundred times and today you find some, some time to recommit yourself to the Lord and say, all of me, is for all of you. Maybe today will be the first time that you give your entire life to him. You know something? Because you know, there can only be one king in your life and it's either him or you, but it can't be both. And he is worthy. Jesus said, whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Y'all remember what King Herod did? I mean, we were talking about his bag of, you know, control and achievements. And, you know, it was a bag where King Herod was full of himself. 
And he knew that in order to receive Jesus, he'd have to let his bag go. But he couldn't, and he wouldn't, and he just kind of held on for dear life. He's like, mine, 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 right? And he just wouldn't let go. Well, this is what Mary did. Mary knew that in this bag that was her life, there is only one response that fits. And so what Mary did is she emptied all of her life. She just emptied it. She emptied her entire life because she knew that by letting go of the things of the world, she was making room for the things of heaven. And what Mary did with the empty bag of her life is she lifted it up to the Lord and she said, here is my life. Here is all of me. It is the only response fitting for such a great infinite king to say, you have all of me. And to say, I am your servant. Let it be to me as you have said. Pray with me. Oh, great infinite king, you are truly worthy of all of us. Let us live lives that follow you, that fall in love with you and are changed by you. Let us lose our lives so that we can find it in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.